Welcome to Whose Or Is This? with Anthony Waite, a show designed to help leaders and high achievers increase their influence and impact by becoming intentional with how they show up in the world. If the wind does not favor, take to the oars. Here is your host, Anthony Waite. To the show, Tony and Alyssa. So, Tony and Alyssa, guys, if you don't know, they are best-selling authors. They are the host of One Extraordinary Podcast, One Extraordinary Marriage Podcast. Uh, but most importantly, um, we consider you mentors for me and my wife, Frankie. Uh, we've met you guys what 2015? Yeah, it, yeah, uh, it seven years. 2014, 2015. I don't know. It's been a long time. Yeah, yeah tw- I, I think it was yeah 2014. So yeah, eight years. <laughs> we didn't have kids yet. We had Caden. Um, no, you didn't have any kids. Yeah, we, yeah. And so Caden's seven now, and Lincoln yeah. is six. They were babies whenever you guys knew them. I think we might even yes. have a picture of you guys holding them at Colin and Melissa's house. Uh, really? Like a group? Yeah. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Um, so it's just okay. really cool to see. Yeah. Like time flies, right? <laughs> It absolutely does. But nevertheless, welcome. Um, I think that, you know, I was thinking about you guys and, um, you know, Tony, we connected um, uh, through social and um, I thought, you know, for the people that I coach that I speak to that listen to this podcast, you know, one of the, one of the core elements that we focus on is meaningful relationships. And, um, you know, that's the connection with God, your, you know, your, your connection with God, but also your connection with your spouse, your family. And, um, I thought, man, you know what, I'm going to go on a limb here and just, I know you guys are so busy. So I appreciate your time. And I was like, let me just ask them if they'd come on the show and just share, because you guys always have so much wisdom, um, when it comes to marriage. I mean, I'll be married for what, 26 years now. Yeah. 20, yeah. We celebrated 26 years in October. <laughs> well, We've known each other 28 years. Just talking about that today. 20 years. It's a long time. Yeah. So let me ask you, we'll kick it off with this. What, what, what's the secret to, to, you know, we're going to get into a bunch of things here, but what is the secret to 26 years? I mean, that's just, what a huge milestone. Wow. <laughs> two things, two things really come to mind when, when I think about that. Be intentional, take action. Mm-hmm. I think for many years in our marriage, there was no intentionality of what our marriage could be. Mm-hmm. I think we were we were living to the lowest common denominator, and those results were pathetic. They were lackluster at best. And I think for myself is once we really got intentional about this is one of the most important relationships we'll ever have after our relationship with our Heavenly Father, that if I'm putting little to no effort then what I'm going to get is what I put in. And if we are really going to last, you know, 50 years, 60, 70 years, then we're going to have to be intentional in this thing called marriage. And we're going to have to take action, even when it's tough. And even when you don't want to. And just to piggyback on that, you know, 26 years is a long time. And there are a lot of couples that, you know, been married 26 years and longer. Um, But it's what's the quality of those years? Yeah, Because it's not about the number. You know, there, there are a lot of couples that have been married 50 years, you know, 40, 50 years. And we see them, we know them, they're part of the one family. But then there are those who are just kind of going through the motions, Mm -hmm. right? And if you want to have an extraordinary relationship, it's about making a decision every day to, to take action in your marriage, Mm -hmm. right? Not just to coast, not just to be like, yeah, I'm going to get through the day, but really to go after it. Yeah. Well, I want to... Let's let's go back to that because I, I think people, you know, they see the glory, but they don't know the story, you know, and they look at somebody like you guys and say, man, 26 years, they got the number one podcast for marriage out there. They're, they're thriving. They're, they're killing it in life and in their marriage and their business, you know, 
let's go back to that time where you, you know, Tony, you said your, your, your marriage was just, you know, mediocre at best. Like what do you, I mean, let's talk about what led up to that and how you recognized and then took action by being intentional and to get out of that. And I would love to hear from the male perspective and, and the female perspective of this as well. Yeah. Um, you know, we were married six years before we had our first child. Mm -hmm. I think for us, lack of community, lack of mentorship early on in our marriage, and even as we had younger children, really got us in this place of, well, what do we do? We, how, do we, how do we strengthen um, our marriage? How do we grow? And I don't think we really had a lot of that in our lives. We were, we were at best just living our lives the best we could on our own. Yes, we'd pick up a book here and there, but we never really had a couple or someone, even myself personally, to like an older gentleman to come alongside me and be like, hey, Tony, like that's probably not the wisest thing to do. And so not having that around, I think you you live and you go, well, they look like they're doing good and we're doing better than them. So here we are, we're, we're in a good spot. Once the kids came around, um, the tension started definitely with Alex, our older one. Um, Cause then it's just like, it's this wild, um, just this position you're in. You're like, well, I want to be connected with you, but now I got this little guy hanging out and she's with him and, and I want to spend time with her and, and all of that. Um, and I didn't work through that. I probably should have gone to a counselor or a coach at that point in time and just, Hey man, I'm, I'm dealing with these weird not weird, but I'm dealing with these feelings and these emotions and I don't know how to express them. I'm running my business. The loss of a child really, really worked us mm -hmm. really, really bad. And yeah. then Abby came along and then, you know, but by, by that point in time, we're 11 years in and I'm like, goodness, man, what have we done in the last 11 <laughs> years of our marriage? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think too, you know, Hollywood, Anthony really paints this picture of what you know, marriage and love should look like, right? It should be, you know, problems wrap up pretty easily. Yeah. You've got anywhere between 30 minutes for a TV show or two hours for a movie. And then everybody, you know, lives happily ever after. And, you know, I think a lot of us get married kind of with that same mindset of, you know, this isn't going to be that bad. Love, love conquers all. Yeah. We love each other. So we shouldn't have any problems. It'll be, you know, all rainbows and unicorns. And the reality is, is that Tony and I are very, very different. Yeah. And, you know, I've often joked, I'm like, he didn't come with a manual. It would have been so much easier to be married to him if he'd come Sorry. with a manual and, and he didn't. And likewise, I didn't either, which probably would have made his life a whole lot easier. But we did have a lot of fun in those early years too. Like we went hiking together. We would do backpacking trips together. Um, we did some amazing vacations together. I got to hike the Pacific Crest Trail. By so, himself. I did not go. Yeah, she didn't do that with um, me. Um, you you did that. You did that when we were in San Diego. I remember you talking about that. Um so he did it in 2000. That was before we moved to San okay. Diego. Maybe we had a conversation and you were talking about yeah. at that yeah. time. Yeah, probably. Because we were married three we, years. Three years. We celebrated our fourth anniversary right after he came back. But so there were a lot of a lot of highlights, but we couldn't really in those first 11 years, we didn't really sustain the highlights. It was like mm -hmm. we'd have this flash of brilliance and yep. then we'd kind of go back into this place of disconnect. Yeah. And it was really that like year 11 where we're like, you know what? We got choices to make here. Yeah. We, this is this is not going well and divorce was definitely an option at that point in time well you know 
going back to what Tony said, you know, from a man's perspective, a lot of men, you know, they live that quiet life of desperation and they don't feel like you, know, you got to be manly. You can't express your emotions. You can't, you know, and then we look at other people, like you said, their, their, their marriage is okay on the surface, but we don't realize that they probably have their own stuff going, you know, and we're taking, we're seeking counsel in people. It's like the blind leading the blind here, right? Exactly. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we see on social media too. Oh, yeah. Right. The no, highlight no, reel, right. It is the highlight reel. It's everybody's great trips. It's great meals. It's great dates. It's not, oh, what do we do when we can't pay the bills or when right. the baby's been up all night? Mm -hmm. And and yeah. how do we process that? Yeah. And then you see you see that person married to someone else. Like, wait a minute, they were just together with this person. Their life was great. And now all of a sudden they're like, what, what, what happened? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So true. Yeah, you know, and um, I'll tell you, man, like that that community is so so huge you know when when me and frankie were in uh san diego one you know we were newly married we had uh kids on the way or a kid on the way caden was on the way and i can't tell you how pivotal it was to get connected to a group with you guys colin and melissa you know c3 yeah. which is now awakened church i mean it really set the foundation for our marriage you know we're, we start, we're about to celebrate nine years and there's no way that we could have gotten to where we are had we not have good people that had they were able to be vulnerable and share not only their strengths but their weaknesses uh, with us and say hey look like you said uh, Alyssa, marriage isn't supposed to be rainbows and butterflies it's not this magical journey to the end of the rainbow man there's there's storms <laughs> there's tornadoes there's hurricanes and, and if you're not ready for it to weather the storm then uh you're going to be in, in in trouble and for you guys, I mean, since you guys have left San Diego, I don't know what move you guys are on being a military family, but I know you were in South Carolina. I know you're in Texas now, but I don't remember if there was a move in between or something. And I mean, for you guys, that's a lot. Nine years, how many moves? Mm -hmm. um, and that the toll that can take on your family, like we've lived in San Diego the last 20 years, we've moved around San Diego, but it's San Diego. We didn't move across the country and then back. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we, you know, we, Frankie always reminds me of this. She's like, you know, we only been married <laughs> for a little over eight years. She's like, but we've moved across the country three times from Maryland to wow. San Diego, from San Diego to Charleston, from Charleston back to Texas, you know, and that's with kids in tow. Um, yeah. And so, you know, this, this is a great segue into, you know, most people are going to watch this, you know, a lot of them are military, you know, and then also the deployments in between. Yes. You know, I deployed right. when I was in San Diego. Uh, luckily, we had a great support system, you know, but when I was in Charleston, they sent me up to New York for the COVID relief. And it was like, literally, we we're having dinner. I got a phone call that night. Hey, you're going to uh, New York. You got to be on a plane tomorrow at 6 a.m. And now I and I was like, well, how long? They said, we don't know indefinitely. So I'm like, well, OK. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and we don't realize that, you know, from a military perspective, all these things that are really um, uh, that are really potholes in, in, in what a fruitful marriage could be like being established and having a great group of people around you because we get established, we get good, good group of friends and good people, and it's time to leave again. And it's so right. difficult to put your feet on solid ground. So let's jump into that. Like, uh, I know you guys coach a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, and from a military perspective, you know, some of the things that, you know, I have, and I'll just jump right into it, you know, um, one of the things that I, I saw within the community when I, I asked people questions from the military before we uh, jumped on this interview, um, one of the big things, the question was, how do you reignite, um, you know, we talked about uh, number one pillar, emotional int in intimacy, how okay. do you reignite that um, after being away for so long, or mm -hmm. separated for a point of time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the fact I have coached a lot of military couples mm -hmm. over the years. I've coached couples on deployment and, you know, a lot of it is what do you do when you're on deployment? Okay. Right. I, you know, it's, it's pre-deployment during the deployment and post-deployment. 
right? And having a strategy for all of that. And I understand, you know, military, your communication and what that can look like and accessibility. It's when already horrible going into the deployment. It's even worse. When you're <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, it, but it's really coming to this place of what can I do? Right. right. What does it look like to have conversations, you know, in advance of saying what what might we be able to do? Is it are we going to try and both listen to a podcast? So when we have a conversation, we're not just kind of like running through a checklist yeah. of things. Yeah. Hey, how are the kids? The bills get paid. You know, what does that look like? But it's also saying, you know, our like one of my couples, they actually took conversation cards. Mm -hmm. um, they split a deck of conversation cards. So he had one half and she had one half. And so when they did get a chance to talk, it was changing up the conversation, just asking questions of one another. So it wasn't just, hey, you know, what the kids do today. And same thing post-deployment, you know, a lot of that around the emotional intimacy, just sharing thoughts and feelings really gets into this place of how do we make time again? Because we understand that when one spouse is on deployment, time shifts and your responsibilities shift and reintegrating yeah. back into that couple life. Yeah. You have to, you know, it's like Tony said earlier, you have to be intentional. You have to take action to make that happen. It doesn't just magically appear. Yeah. It's yeah. saying, how do we schedule this time to make time for one another? Yeah. You know, and I would also say that, you know, to that, a lot of people in the military, and I'll, and I'll speak from experience and from what I've, I've, I've learned from being a leader in the military, but also my own experience, you know, we go away on this deployment and we think all the problems are just going to magically go away or they're going to be put on pause. You know, um, I'm sure you've had couples that think that, you know, if I just don't talk about it or if I just sweep it under the rug, it'll go away and things will just magically get better. What has been your experience with, with that? Well, that's happened in our marriage too. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate it. So, I, I mean, I think as humans, we don't want to confront some of those tough mm -hmm. questions and those tough areas. And to have the extraordinary, each individual in the marriage has to know that we have each other's back, number one, and those tough conversations are going to happen. And so we have to step into those. And recently, Elise and I had to mm -hmm. just over some, some things that were going on and, and, you know, it, it bubbled to the surface. We, we had somewhat of a conversation, but then it sort of settled for like about a day and a half or so. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, we can't keep being in this place. We know that there's friction. We know that there's an issue. And so I remember just talking to her and just going, Hey, like we need to address this. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I said it that nicely per se, but I was definitely like, we need to, we need to resolve this some way, one way or another. We need to, we need to get this somewhat out in the open and get that conversation going. Where are you hurt? Where am I at? What, where, where do I feel like we need to be moving? How can I support you? And those can be tense. And yet you, you learn communication, emotional intimacy is a learned skill. And so the more you practice it, the more, you know, you got each other's back, the better you're going to be able to strengthen your marriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I know we talked about pillar number one, but let's go into the sixth pillar. Cause this is, you know, Tony, when we talked before, I really want to focus on this because this book, you know, is, it's a game changer for a lot of people. And as I was reading them and rereading them and learning them over and, and just going over them and, you know, I wish we can cover all of them um, and go in depth with all of them, but I know we, you and I both don't have that kind of time. Well, what I do, what I do want to encourage everybody that's listening to this or watching this, um, go out there, do yourself a favor and, and, and go get you a copy. And here's the thing I want to do too, Tony, I'm 
going to order 10 copies. And for those of you who go and follow Tony, um, leave a comment down whenever I put this up um, or comment on the podcast. I'm going to give away 10 copies of your book. I'm going to buy them and I'm going to give them as gifts for people just because I love you guys. I love my group. I love... I, I love my podcast group. Um, this thing is growing and I just really appreciate you. And um, I'm going to give away 10 copies. And for those of you watching in the group, I see you guys here. If you comment below one takeaway from today, that's it. Just one takeaway uh, and go follow, follow Tony and Alyssa. I'm going to, I'm going to put you in a raffle to get one of those 10 copies. So thank that's you awesome. guys. And then we'll, we'll just show show them the book right yeah, there. There it is. Right. Yeah. So there you go. Um, that's it. And um, so let's jump into these six pillars. Let's just do an overview. And then I have one that I'm, I think, I think um, this emotional intimacy is going to be one that I would okay. really love to, to dive into. But if you want to go ahead and, and do the overview or I, yeah, go ahead. I'll let you guys cover the six. Yeah. I, I just want to say one thing real quick before we jump into the six and we'll just cover them real quick and then we'll jump into emotional intimacy. Intimacy, mm-hmm. most people in our society equate that to sex. Mm. And so I just want, I just want people to under hear, hear us out real quick. Most people equate that to sex in our society. In actuality, the actual definition of intimacy is closeness and connection. Mm -hmm. That's what intimacy is. We want closeness and we want connection. Hence why we have the six pillars of intimacy. It's not the six pillars of sex. It's the six pillars of intimacy, which means how do you get close and connected, connected and strengthen each of these pillars so that way you can have the extraordinary marriage you desire with your spouse. Mm-hmm. So I just want to clear that up because I think a lot of people go, oh, intimacy, sex. No, nope. sexual intimacy is one of them, but it's not the only thing. And it's also not the first one, right? <laughs> Anthony, you had mentioned emotional intimacy and, yeah. and sexual intimacy on purpose is not the first it's one. The last one. It's it the, is the, the last one. It is the last one. Because we very intentionally, you know, emotional intimacy is that that closeness and connection you have through sharing your thoughts, your feelings, your desires. And we put that first because when I wrote the book, I wanted people to understand that that's the workhorse, right? When you have strong emotional intimacy, you're able to tackle any area of your marriage, including sexual. But like I said, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Physical intimacy is the next one. And and that is your non-sexual touch. Mm -hmm. And so we separated these two out because there is a place for us to hug, kiss, hold hands, do those things, massage our spouse without the expectation that we're going to have sex Mm -hmm. or, or strengthen our sexual intimacy. And it's so vitally important. So that's your physical intimacy. We go into your financial intimacy is one, the third one, money. How are we dealing with money? Mm -hmm. You know, all areas of not just doing a budget or a castle, but all the way from there to like getting out of debt to retirement, insurance, insurance, retirement, all those good things. Mm -hmm. The next one is spiritual intimacy. And this is how do the two of you share your faith practices? How do you talk about matters of faith and, and bring that into your life? And, you know, for couples Mm -hmm. that looks different. I mean, the one family is literally heard around the world. And so we have couples of all different faiths, Mm -hmm. but it's, how do you share that as a couple? Mm-hmm. Pillar number five is your recreational intimacy. And we like to call this one the fun. It's what the fun things are yeah. that you do together. It's getting back into dates and experiences. It's getting out of the place where you sit in the car. And, you know, I know you were talking about the age of the boys and, and being in that place where you sit in the car. And you're like, well, what do you want to do? You're like, I don't know. What do you want to do? Yeah. I don't know. Right. And well, a lot of people think that, you know, just because you have kids that now you can't do those fun things or still have those um, adventures, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's a flawed assumption in a lot of marriages today. Oh, we have kids. And if you don't have your financial intimacy in place, then it's going to affect your recreational. Right. Because yeah. um, if you're not funding it, you're not going to have the fun. <laughs> so. 
one thing with recreational intimacy, and I do want to say this, it's dating your spouse. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not date night. And I think in today's day and age, everybody just goes, well, I can't afford it. Some of the, some of the fondest memories that I have of going out on a date with Elisa was actually at home. Mm -hmm. When our kids were younger, we would get them to bed and we would have these dinners on our floor. We would play Yahtzee. We would listen to music. So recreational intimacy doesn't mean you have to spend money mm -hmm. to have fun with one another and strengthen that pillar. Yeah, um, I love that. Yeah. You know, so I just like to, to broaden people's perspective. And you also, and, it allows you to get creative. Yeah. And that's that's really the premise behind these six pillars too, is, you know, we can talk about them. The last one, like Tony was just about to say is sexual intimacy. And that's yeah. everything from, you know, initiating and foreplay to actual sexual intercourse. But when you look at those six and you understand this is a holistic framework for your marriage, it does allow you to be creative. Mm -hmm. It comes back to this whole, what can I do? What can we do to strengthen each one of those pillars in our marriage, not looking like someone else's marriage? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So real quick, Lisa, you said something that really sparked a, a thought in my mind. I love what you said about what could I do? And then what could we do? Because I think a lot of people, and I fell into this trap too, is that I got to do everything. And so it's like, what do I need to do for us? How important is it that each person in that relationship takes ownership and says, hey, what do I need to do? And then, and then the other person, what do I need to do? And then what could we do? Well, it's incredibly important because there are two of you in the relationship, right? It's not just, you know, if you can't be married to yourself, right? That's called single. So <laughs> if there are two people in, you both have a role. Right. And really coming at this place of saying, what can I do? What can I do to show love to my spouse? What can I do to create an environment where we're both growing? What can I do to learn who my spouse is today? Really being in that place because, you know, Tony and I have known each other for 28 years. The guy that I met who had just turned 21 it wow. looks a lot different and has a lot, you know, a lot has changed in 28 years. Yes, a lot. Right. And so if I, I still look great. He does. Hey, you're still he rocking does. it, dude. I just had a, had a goatee and like round spectacles, but yeah. But, but with that, if I had, if I was still treating him like that 21 year old. Yeah. Like that doesn't, that, that, that's not an extraordinary marriage. That's being, you know, kind of stopped in time. And it, that's not even taking into account of what can I do? How can I love him as a 49 year old mm. man? as opposed to that 21 year old young guy that I had met, you know? And then when you come to this place of saying, what can we do? You know, it's so important. And I think couples in the military actually get this better than civilian couples is getting this idea of what's the team, mm -hmm. yeah. right? Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. in the military that you are part of a team and that everybody has a role to play and that different people have different strengths. It, it's just kind of ingrained. It's ingrained, yeah. right? Yeah. In marriage, it's the same thing. You and your spouse have different strengths. So what can we do as a team on the same team yeah. to achieve the extraordinary together? Wow. Yeah, I like that. And I think that it's not a divide and conquer. It's, hey, together we can take on the world and any challenge that comes along with it. And, you know, that, as easy as it sounds, I know that that's a hard thing to do because, you know, I'll go into the office and I can tell when my guys are struggling with something at home because that personal issue will affect their professional performance. Mm -hmm. it's so true and you know the reality is is that if we make a choice as a part of a married couple to actually take care of business at home everything else in our life is easier doesn't matter what we're facing it doesn't matter if you get that deployment at six or that phone call at 6 p.m that you gotta be on a plane the next morning yep. if things are strong at home then it's so much easier to do what you got to do in the workplace Right. And that's why we we developed the six pillars of intimacy as the framework for your marriage. So no more do you have to 
feel like where 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 are we struggling? Mm-hmm. Where are the cracks? And we're not just grasping in thin air to go. It might be this, it might be that, it could be this. Now you have the framework and you can look at each of these six pillars and and you can self-assess. We have a free quiz as well, where Mm -hmm. you can just go, hey, this is where I'm strong Mm -hmm. and this is where we have cracks. Okay, let's address where we have cracks. If we are looking at our emotional intimacy, what do the cracks look like in our marriage right now? Okay, this is where they are. How do we strengthen them? How are we going to be intentional around that? And how are we going to take action in those and yeah, and I love I love the thought of, you know, when you think about pillars, you know, if one of those are weak or one of those are missing, then it just it can't stand. You have to have all of them in place to have a solid foundation. So when I look yeah. at these, I think, you know, if my six pillars are strong, then my marriage is going to be strong. If one of them are weak, then there's like you said, there's a crack. Uh, chances are when that storm comes, because it will. Um, you know, it's more likely to fall over and um, people don't realize that, but it's only when times get harder that these little, little problems that you've put away, they surface to the top and you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe this. Well, no, that problem was there a long time ago. It just took, you're a one, you're a one conversation away from a divorce. You were one, you know um, you know, you're, you're a little, you stayed in the office one day later than you were supposed to. And now here we are in this problem. So it's those little things that make a big, you know, they can make the big difference in a good or bad way. Yeah. Yeah. And it is the little things, right? Everybody thinks it's the big catastrophic, yeah. you know, breaches of trust or that type of thing. But really, you know, most marriages find themselves in trouble because there's been a whole lot of little things yeah. that have happened over time that ultimately lead to a big breach. But it's like you said, are we not having the conversations? If we're talking about emotional intimacy, how long has it been since you've shared feelings or talked about your dreams? Or are you just going through the motions? Mm-hmm. And what was this fabulous connection when the two of you were dating is now it feels like the Grand Canyon. And you're like, I don't even, where are you? I don't even know who you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that goes on the other side though, too. Like the little things you do mm-hmm. every day, every week, every month, compounded on one another for months or years at a time can have the reverse effect. Can have a it, positive effect. it has a positive effect of it does strengthen your marriage. And I look at Elisa and I, and that's something that we have stepped into in our own marriage. We started the conversation like, where have you guys been, where you are now? Well, it's just being committed to engaging one another on a weekly basis through the One Extraordinary Marriage Show. Back in the day, 13 years ago in 2010, when we started, when nobody was listening to now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So when we look at this emotional intimacy pillar, you know, um, it's your closeness and connection. And you guys say it's your verbal and nonverbal. Let's, mm-hmm. let's dive into each one of the verbal and nonverbal, because a lot of people think, you know, when I, when I speak on stages, I tell people like your actions speak louder than your words. But if I go home and I tell my wife, I love you. And, you know, you know, and I say it in a way that she's just like, okay, yeah, sure. It's like your, your inflection, your body language, it's so much more important than the words that you say, because I can go and give her a big hug and say it enthusiastically. And she like, she feels it. Right. Um, and I think that that verbal and nonverbal are so important. Can we jump into, you know, some examples of the, how you uh, exercise this emotional intimacy, both, both verbally and, and in your nonverbal? Yeah, I mean, I think you brought up a good point, right? The the tone, the inflection, mm-hmm. and even the body language around what we say is so important because your spouse is listening. I mean, I, I you know, coach folks. I've coached over five hundred couples um, in the last ten years, and you know, the reality is, is people will hear you say things like "I love you" or "You're really important to me" or you know, "I'm so happy I'm married to you." But like, I can look at Tony and say, "I love you." And he's like, like you said, great. Or I can be like, "You are the best thing that has ever happened to me." 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, how we emphasize that, not just the emotional intimacy, but adding on one of the others, either the physical or the recreational or the sexual or spiritual, like adding on another intimacy with that really does deepen that, that, that feeling that comes along with it. Because I even heard you say it, you know, you come up to your wife and you give her a big hug and you say, I love you. Well, now she's not just hearing it. She's actually getting that physical interaction with you that yeah. says, oh, he loves me so much. He's going to come over and like squeeze me and let me know. Yeah. I'm his. And if I wash the dishes, she really believes it. <laughs> I totally get it. Been there. Bonus. Nonverbal though, on the other side of it, when you're when you're frustrated, upset, the crossing of the arms, the cold shoulder, the turning of the back, the frowns, rolling the eyes, rolling the eyes. That nonverbal communication speaks as much as just mm-hmm. us saying we don't want you around us. Mm-hmm. And so, just being aware of what we're doing, being aware of how we show up to our spouse at certain times and in, in certain ways in that nonverbal communication can have a huge impact. And it's something that it, I really do believe that we're constantly working on. We're constantly growing in. Mm-hmm. And it's that growth that we have as a couple throughout the years and through the different stages and seasons of life. Yeah. It's almost, and what I hear too, is like that word is that you're growing in your awareness and being, being aware and mm-hmm. catching those cues and those clues that, that, you know, cause like women have like a sixth sense. They can tell when we're off, but we're like, ah, whatever, you know, like, you, didn't, you know, it's like, what? I didn't, see, I didn't, I didn't catch that. Dang it. But yeah. it's, it's just that, that awareness of, and, 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 and it goes back to what Tony, what you said, being intentional. I want to learn more and I want to grow and I want to be more aware of how she feels or how she acts when I say this or do that. And if we do that, if we, if we if we're more intentional, then we grow in that awareness and it allows us to grow in this emotional intimacy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let me, let me share with you an example. Um, I, years ago, I was coaching a couple husband was in the army okay. and we were talking about um, just knowing one another and, and really knowing your spouse. And I asked him, I'm like, how well do you know your weapon, right? How well do you know your rifle? And he's like, inside and out. He goes, I could pull that thing apart, put it back together, do it blindfold. Like he just rattled off all this kind of stuff. And I said, you need to know her as well as you know your rifle. You need to know, like if if she were to jam, you know, like be a little bit off, just like your weapon, you need to know what to do to make that better. And he, it was such a light bulb moment for him because he's like, oh, wait a minute. With my with my rifle, my gun, absolutely. I know how to fix that. And go take the time and invest the skills to know your spouse in the same way, and you'll see a tremendous shift. And it was just, you know, getting into this place. And I think a lot of us just have to look at it, go, what do we know really well? And then transfer those skills and how we got there to our spouse. Yeah. Like how much time do we dedicate to learn that skill? You know, marriage is the same way. Like, yeah, understand your spouse. I like I love that. It's like almost like a light bulb for me. Like, how much time you've you you've put into this craft of speaking or in military in, in, in your profession years and years upon years and hours and you're willing to do that for a degree or a title or a position but you're not willing to do that for what you love the most or what you say you do wow exactly exactly gosh <laughs> so yeah uh man so when we're talking about um the nonverbal communication you know the emotional intimacy, one of the things that um, uh, as far as a, a question that we had was, you know, when you're at work home in the transition, you know, being in the military is just a different way of, of working because you're not just doing your job, you're, you're doing multiple jobs and you're leading tons of people. How does one go about, you know, and what I, what, what, what I get from this is kind of what I tell people often, don't give the best of you to work and give your family the rest of you. So how, how would you say... 
um, are recommend for somebody to to be able to leave thing leave, leave enough in the tank so when they come home they are ability are, are, are able to have that emotional awareness that emotional presence and that emotional intimacy because what I've learned especially I'm going to speak from experience when I come home and I'm dead tired is often whenever I miss the mark either I I'm just I'm I'm I'm, I'm very short fused I don't yeah. want to be in and and present, I just want to shut down and I want to get away from everything. So how does one go about doing that where they, they leave some in the tank to, to be able to come home and give the best to their family instead of the rest to them? Well, I think a big part of it is even communicating where you are when you're coming home, right? It, it's, it, there, it goes a long way to be able to tell your husband or your wife, hey, it's been one of those days where I, right now I've got nothing in the tank. I'm actually going to need to recharge and I'm letting you know, because I love you enough that I don't want to just walk in the door and be on empty and have you go, great. I am. You're just giving me the leftovers. And instead say, hey, can I take 10 minutes to hop in the shower or 10 minutes of quiet? And I know, you know, if you've got little kids that might look a little different, but it's figuring out for yourselves and for your marriage, what's the best transition? And this is unique to every couple. Is it, you know, a quick shower when you get home? Is it, hey, we're going to have 10 minutes where we just go and military term, we go and debrief what the day has been like so that we, because likely whoever's at home or gets home first has also had a day where they're kind of feeling on empty too. Yeah. And so what does it look like to both of you be able to kind of discharge that emptiness, recharge back to a place where you can be present, but it's all in, it's all in this communication. It's all in the emotional intimacy of saying, I love you enough. I'm going to tell you that my tank's on empty before you experience it. And are like, don't you love me enough to be fully present? Why do I get the leftovers? Yeah. So not assuming that they already understand that how, how your day went, it's having that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we all have these moments and times, right? Where the stress level hits, we're mm-hmm. run down because of what we've been working on or who we've been working with and leading people and this and that. And it's letting your spouse know because they can't read your mind. And this is something Elisa and I have talked about over and over and over. Your, your spouse doesn't have ESP. And as much as we would love them to know, and as much as, hey, I've known Elisa for 28 years, married 26 years, as much as I would love her to be able to look at me and just be like, oh, this is where you're at today, Tony. She can't. She can't read my mind. And and so I have to verbally express what's happening. And sometimes it comes out really smooth and other times it comes up a little jagged and, and it's just because of where we're at. But we know that, hey, this is where we're at. This is what's going on. How do we just continue to move forward together? And sometimes it is. Sometimes it's just like, I just need to chill. I just want to watch a game and I just want to check out for a little bit because everything that's been coming at me. So can I get half an hour, chill? You go do your thing. We'll, we'll reconvene. Uh, when the kids were younger, it was just sometimes just kids were just around and I would just be like sitting on the floor playing Legos. Um, you know what I mean? Because it was just yeah. easy. You didn't really have to talk to them much. You just were like, hey, this is cool. Yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> You're just making Legos. <laughs> so it was like small talk with, with little ones. Yeah. You know, the, um, my job now, like in the military, is I, I'm training all the people that are coming in uh, to the military, brand new out of boot camp. Now they're in um, A school, which is their, their school they get to before they go out to the fleet and, and practice their craft. 
And, you know, one of the things that I've learned, you know, now leading thousands of, of sailors over the last year or so is a lot of, a lot of people um, come into the military now and they, they have a lot of emotional baggage from the past, right? Before they join the military, maybe it's from a family or a household, a parent, uh, a past relationship. How does that affect, or how have you found that that affects our ability to be emotionally uh, intimate and to practice this craft? Is, is it, a, is there, is there barriers that come with that? Absolutely. Um, you know, wherever you've been, you bring it into, you bring it into your present if you haven't dealt with it. And, you know, I think both in the military and in civilian world, there's a lot more, um, attention being given to mental health and to addressing your baggage, because if we don't deal with the stuff in the past, it will come up. We may think we've boxed it away. Like the analogy I often use with my coaching clients is you may have that box in the garage that has, you know, 27, you know, strips of duct tape on it. And you've shoved it in the back corner of the garage. But every time you move and hello, military families, y'all move a lot. Um, every time you move, you got to address that box. Mm-hmm. It's still there until you actually open it up, you unpack it and you say, you know what, I'm going to pay attention and I'm going to deal with what's in here and I'm going to heal from it. If it means I need to have some hard conversations, if it means I need to forgive, if it means I need to, you know, go to God and and actually surrender and release some of this stuff, it's doing business with the stuff that we've got in our past so that we can actually have an extraordinary present. Because if we don't deal with that stuff, it just keeps cycling over and over and over again. Yeah. And, and it comes in many different ways and forms. And I'm sure you've seen it, uh, you know, with new military folks coming on and getting through boot camp, and now they're right there in front of you. And so sometimes we're just not ready, right? I mean, we feel like we can just charge in the world. We're going to just take the world. And other times we're like, wow, I need help. And that's the best time for somebody like yourself to to just speak to somebody and speak into their life and just be like, hey, man, we have you know, counselors here or whatever may be on base or off base, you know, the resources to help you through this, because in life, different things will come and we do need to go through that. The the biggest one for me in the past five years was the passing of my dad. Mm -hmm. And as much as I felt like, oh, I got this, it was really tough and really having to address that and address the grief. And if I hadn't really gone through that over the the year or so after him passing, I think I would still be a mess today. I think I'd have a lot of anger. I think I'd have a lot of frustration. Um, and, and that would come out towards Elisa and others around me because it's just pent up in here. Um, and luckily I got to work with some amazing folks over the years that have helped me through that. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, the natural inclination for military and for civilian, you know, you, you get a position, you get a title, you put on the uniform and you change the outside, but nothing inside changes. It's only a matter of time before the inside influences the outside. Like you said, and those are the people who've been married for 30, 40 years, but they've been dragging that baggage around. Like how good could your marriage have been had you unpacked this 20 years ago? Mm -hmm. Right. So the sooner, the better. Yes, because your relationship and specifically your marriage is only going to be as healthy and as whole as you are. (laughs) So if you don't take care of business, you become the ceiling for your marriage. And the truth of the matter is, is that nobody got married to just have an okay or an ordinary marriage. No. Why? Why would you get married just to be okay? You want to be extraordinary. And so will you do the things? Will you take the action to actually elevate your marriage into just new levels? and new, new opportunities for connection for the two of you. Yeah. Yeah. 
but let me ask you this because this is going to sting a little bit a couple of, i'm sure people that are watching this and i'm going to put it i'm going to i'm going to throw it out Go there. For it. We're, we're good. why why do you think that i see most people like you said many people don't get married just have a mediocre life or a mediocre marriage but yet they accept it and they go through their their marriage just going through the motions and they, they accept it for what it is. And they just, like you said, time waits for nobody. But why do you think that is that most people will get married? They say their vows, everything's great. The sex is great. And then all of a sudden it's like, now we're in this hole of mediocrity and we're just going to stay here. It's comfortable. Ooh. People are good with being comfortable. And, you know, especially when it comes to a marriage relationship, and this is going back to what I said earlier about Hollywood, we, we see the end results. We see the highlight reels. We don't understand that for every couple that has a highlight reel, there is a journey that it took to get there. We just want a shortcut to the end. We want, we want the happily ever after. We want the 50 years married. And, and we've got to break free of this mindset that says, I don't have to do anything to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't, you can't go on deployment and sail halfway around the world if the ship is not moving, right? If there aren't a whole <laughs> bunch of sailors making that happen. Yeah. And yet in marriage, we're like, yeah, we're just going to somehow miraculously get halfway around the world. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And so we just sit back. And then when it doesn't happen, we just say, oh, well, you know what? It is what it is. This mm-hmm. is as good as it gets. Instead of saying, wait a minute, I was actually created to be extraordinary and to have an extraordinary marriage. And I'm going to go put in the effort. And I'm going to invite my spouse to put in the effort to do the same thing because we were not designed to just be mediocre. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, a little soapbox moment there. No. And it's take, it's take, it's again, it goes back to what we started off with. It's being intentional, taking action. And for a lot of us in marriage, there's so many things swirling around. We don't know where to, where to start. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you look at the six pillars of intimacy and you go, okay, where's the one area where we have cracks? Is it our sexual intimacy? Okay. If that's it, then how are we going to be intentional around our sexual Mm -hmm. intimacy and how are we going to take action? And let's just start there. This is a long journey. Like, I, I think I was one of those guys when I got married too. like, we got married. We're good. Let's just move on. We're, we're done. And I've learned over the years that the little actions we take over and over time and again, even when we fall off, we can get back on. But if we continue to do that over and over and over again, we're going to have the extraordinary marriage. Hmm. We, we just, we're, we're going to get there. And it may at times be a, a big old glimpse and, and we're like, oh my gosh, and then something may happen, but that's okay. We just keep on, we keep getting intentional on a certain area, on a certain pillar, and we take action on it. Yeah, you know, Tony, you said, you know, in the beginning, um, it was that intention and then that action. You know, for most people um, in marriage today, let's say they're trying to change their spouse or they're trying to control or, or change that person. Um, when you start taking action and be intentional, um, and let's say the other person is not following suit or they're not motivated to, 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 to have intention and action. How do you, um, go about moving forward with that? Do you try to, you know, push them out of their comfort zone or do you just practice patience and let them follow suit? I'm going to let you as a coach, I'm going to let you talk about this way more with your coaching. Or do you see that a lot, Alyssa, with the people that you coach? Yeah, it's very common. Um, and, and there can be a number of different reasons. Sometimes it happens because the spouse that is now not taking action was the one pushing for action first and then didn't see any action. So they've taken their hands off the wheel and they're like, you know what, you do what you want. And that, and that spouse could be asking for years. Yeah. And so now they're like, now they're at the end of their rope and they basically said to their spouse, Hey, I'm ready for a divorce. Mm-hmm. And now it's the other spouse who wasn't doing anything. It's like, Oh shoot. 
I gotta I do got, something. I gotta do something. I gotta do something. Yeah, the reality is, is you have to start, even if your spouse isn't ready. You cannot change your spouse. Nope. Um, it, it's impossible. And the more you push, the more they, you know, it's just like a two-year-old um, getting ready to throw a tantrum. If you push them and say, no, you're going to put these shoes on. Um, I used to have children that were like, absolutely not. And they'd like curl up their feet into balls and throw tantrums and all kinds. Oh, yes. We do the same thing as adults. It looks a little bit different, but we don't like being told what to do. And if we feel like we're being controlled or that our spouse is trying to change us, we do all of those two-year-old defense mechanisms and we basically arch our backs and say, you know, over my dead body, will you change me? And so it really steps into this place of saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to say what I said earlier. What can I do? Right? How can I shift the environment? What can I do in terms of, you know, all of the things my spouse has been asking for? How do I go about doing it? How can I change the environment that my spouse is in so that they will have a different environment to react to? Yeah. You know, it, it, will they always change? No, but a lot of times that shift in you and when they see you taking action, they're like, okay, this is what I've been asking for. It took a lot longer than I expected, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I see something I haven't seen. And I'm curious about why my spouse is changing now. And in that curiosity, you can create a place where they start to engage with you, where they start to go, what's going on? Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Why now? They'll start asking questions. And then you go from there to launch into that reconnection. Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. Well, I know we're going to be ready to bring this thing in for a landing. There was one more question that um, that we had that I wanted to uh, bring to you guys. Um, yeah. How important is it for you to 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 love yourself first before you experience any of these intimacy, these six pillars of intimacy, how important is it for one or your partner or yourself to say to separate them for you guys, for each other to love yourself first um, before you can experience the depthness of these, these pillars, um, spiritual, emotional, sexual, especially sexual intimacy, right? If they're not feeling sexy, um, how, how does that affect, you know, your ability to connect on a deeper level? Well, this goes back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago when we were talking about just kind of your baggage and, and feeling healthy and whole yourself, right? It, it's, it all ties together, you know, loving yourself, being, you know, dealing with the stuff in the past that maybe has you questioning whether you should be loved or whether you can do relationships well, or whether, you know, all of these things in your past, if you haven't dealt with it, it's going to inter- it's going to interrupt and, and impact. impact. Thank you. I'm like, what's that word? <laughs> impact how you give and receive love. And so dealing with your own stuff, getting into this place where, you know what, I do love each other. I, you know, Tony has told me for years and he does it as an introduction on the podcast. Um, this is my beautiful wife, Elisa, right? That's how I get introduced. I actually think I should change my driver's license to my beautiful wife, Elisa dealer. And so, um, but I will tell you, Anthony, that when he first started calling me that, I didn't believe it. I had always been the quote juggling. Um, I had been teased and bullied. And now they'd call it bullied. It was just middle school back then. Um, but that, like I'd grown up with that. Right. And so it wasn't until probably the last eight to 10 years where I'm like, Oh no, wait a minute. I'm 48 years old. And I think I look amazing, but it's because I had to deal with my own stuff mm-hmm. of being able to accept, Oh, my husband sees me this way. Do I see myself this way? And I had to work on my own mindset stuff. And, and that's what I would say. Anybody who's you know in this place of going, I don't know if I can receive this from my spouse of actually saying, what do I need to work on up here? And right here, so that when my spouse interacts with me, we can go really deep into any of these intimacies. And the two can happen concurrently. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have to fully be like, oh my gosh, 
I have all the self-confidence and I, I, I love myself. And you have to do all of that before you can be working on and engaging your spouse. Those two things are happening concurrently. And they've happened many a times in our own marriage where mm -hmm. we have seen ourselves and have had lack of confidence, um, just lack of just self-worth even, mm -hmm. you know, in, in specific areas and with ourselves. It doesn't mean we go away onto some mountaintop and leave our spouse to go work on ourselves and then come back. No, those things are happening together. And I do have to agree with Elisa, though, a lot of what we're putting in here mm -hmm. in our mindset and what we're telling ourselves is what's really going to be playing out in our own lives. And I've really been working on this myself for the last few years and have seen the changes that happens. Yeah. And so I think that's so important. Like it's a, it's a constant state of growth, not just for yourself, but for those you love, you know, cause especially when kids are involved, they see this and they, they can sense that. Right. And, um, I, I always say that you can't get what you do not have. So if I don't love me, then I can't love my kid to the fullest. I can't love my wife to the fullest. But there are times where I feel like, man, you know what? I'm not good enough or I'm not confident enough. But that doesn't mean I stop being a father. That doesn't mean I stop being a husband, right? Um, but what would you say to those people who are waiting? Like they, they, they're continuing to tell their spouse how beautiful or how great they look, how sexy they are, but they're not getting that response that they, that they desire. And, and maybe they feel like right now they're in a place of just hopelessness or they want to give up. What would you tell them? Well, what would you have said all those years that I didn't, that I didn't receive? Because it, it seriously took me probably about two years. Yeah. I would wow. think not more wow. to yeah. actually receive him saying, because he, he would say it at the start of every podcast. And I'm like, eh, whatever. He says, <laughs> the opening. That's about the same response I get from my wife. I don't feel right. <laughs> um, you know, for myself in those moments, it was literally a word from God to call Elisa, my beautiful wife. And so I knew there was a purpose to that. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't going to just give up. I was going to continue to speak life into her and to continue to walk along that journey with her. Um, was it defeating at times? Absolutely. And yet we said our I do's, we said our vows, and that was a commitment. And it wasn't like she was off cheating on me there was no infidelity it wasn't like we had emotional physical sexual abuse or anything going on and so i myself was like you know what i'm gonna just keep speaking life into her and eventually there's going to be something that's going to happen and we had some tough discussions we've gone to coaching she's gone and done her own stuff and so the, the work and she was moving forward even in her it was in her own time had i wanted it sooner absolutely it would have been great if had she done it like the first month it would have been just fantastic and yet there is a journey and it's one that i'm glad we worked on because she's more confident with who she is she truly knows who she is mm -hmm. and i just get to experience it now <laughs> Well, and I think too, if it was premature, right, then it'd be inauthentic. It would, right. it wouldn't be. So it's being patient and letting that that time take its its toll on the the process, right? Not like like you know, Alyssa said, we want the end result, but we don't want to go through the process of getting there. And that for you, Tony, it seemed like that was the process was, hey, love your wife unconditionally, regardless of the response right. that you get. Um, Alyssa, on that side, on that flip side, what was the turning point for you that actually said, you know what, man, like I am beautiful. I, 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 I am what everything that Tony t has been telling me that I am. I, I truly believe it in my heart and in my soul. I wish I could tell you, I remember the exact moment where that happened. Um, I just know that over the last eight to 10 years, I mean, there has been 
there's just been a process for me where, you know, like I know when Tony looks at me that I am the most beautiful woman in the world to him. I know because he's, and I, I got to a point where, and I mean, sometimes this is just repetition, right? Like repetition is good for the soul. Um, getting to this place where he would just say it all the time. It wasn't just on the podcast. Now, when we'd go out and, you know, I'd meet friends or business acquaintances, people we were networking with, and that's how he'd introduce me. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's doing this everywhere. Like, this isn't just for me. This isn't just at home. This isn't just this little isolated experience around the podcast. And I remember having the thoughts, he, he actually sees me this way right? He's not just doing this. And I think part of the journey was the fact that he didn't give up after a month Mm -hmm. or two months or six months. He kept pushing into this. And that's what I would say to anybody that's, you know, feels like they've been pushing for a long time for a change in your marriage. You don't know what the journey is that your spouse is on. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily, even if they've been vulnerable with you, you don't know the hurts that they're overcoming. You don't know the mindsets that they're changing. And you know, it's kind of like, there's always that, um, comic that talks about, you know, that shows somebody like digging in a, in a, you know, in the dirt and the diamonds just on the other side, but they give up right before they get to the diamond or the gold or whatever it is. And I think a lot of times in marriage, that's the same case. If we would just keep digging and mining for the gold in our spouses a little bit longer for the, for the results of our marriage, instead of giving up and being like, you know what, it's too hard. We might just get to that breakthrough, that gold, that diamond. Yeah. That was there all along. We just didn't see it or we didn't go long enough. Yeah. And the sad truth is that many people give up right when they're about to get to that, to that gold, to that diamond. And I, I and kind of vision that I got whenever you were talking to Alyssa was, you know, marriage is that gift that you're constantly unwrapping one piece at a time. And eventually, you know, you're going to get yeah. to see that gift that you've been given, but you have to stay consistent and constantly, you know, going through the process. And so, yeah, man. That's so good. <laughs> well, um, I want to um, I, I want to be mindful of your guys' time. You know, one of the questions that I asked Tony, and I, and I want to share with the audience, because there are a lot of people watching, especially in the, in the Facebook group. You awesome. know, I know a lot of people, especially in the military, we have, you know, uh, marriage counseling. You can go and, and get marriage counseling. In fact, me and Frankie did it, you know, back in San Diego. And cool. I think we went to like one session. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, I couldn't. I couldn't connect with the person. It was very inauthentic. It was very superficial, almost like, like, like psychological counseling. Like, okay, go through the motions, answer the questions, check the boxes, blah, blah, blah. What, what would you, for the listeners here? And they're saying, wow, like, you know, I've been to marriage counseling. I still want to grow in my marriage. Um, and, and you guys are marriage coaches. Can you explain to them the difference between marriage counseling and if they wanted to go the marriage coaching route? Yeah. Um, you know, counseling really, looks at where like a person's been is unpacking a lot, you know, as we were talking about a lot of the baggage, you know, if you've got stuff from childhood, if you've got traumatic experiences, that type of thing really gets into a lot of those, um, those aspects of it. As a coach, I like to tell people, our son played football through high school. Um, I like to describe myself as the coach that kind of like grabs the face mask, face mask and is like, Hey, go run this play. Like I can see it from the 30,000 foot view. I can see it from the press box, go run this play. This is what I want you to do. Um, I take a very action-oriented approach. It's about what are the skills and strategies that a couple needs to create an extraordinary marriage. And I'll be the first person to tell you as a coach, if somebody's got trauma, if they've got abuse, things in the background, I will tell them, please go get the psychological help to work through that because that's not my expertise. But if you want to take your marriage from where it is today to what extraordinary can be for the two of you and you you recognize that you don't have the skills to do it, First of all, there's no shame in not having the skills. We're not taught how to do marriage well. But if you want to get skills and strategies and let's get to work, 
because just like a good military deployment's got a whole bunch of strategy behind it and a whole bunch of people that have skills, your marriage it has the same success when you've yeah. got the skills and the strategy behind it. And that's what coaching is. Yeah, I love it. And it's, and, and what I found is, you know, with coaching, it's a way to get those results faster than trying to figure it out yourself, right? Because we can read all the books, we can, we can, we can, you know, do, you can listen to this podcast a thousand times, and you're going to grow from it. But if you really want to get those, those 10 X, those, those results, and get them faster, then you need to have somebody who can see a little bit further than you, they might not have it all figured out, but they're in that journey just a little bit further than you, and they can help you see that what's coming ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, that's really where coaching comes into play, right? Just like you've got mentors in the military that say, Hey, here's how you, you know, here's how you can advance your career. How's here's how you can get to this next step. Coaching is the same thing in marriage. Here's how you get to the next step. Here's how you level up from where you are to where you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, you know, as we wrap this thing up, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time uh, to come on today and share uh, your experience, your journey. It's so good to see both of you again and connect after all these yeah, years. Absolutely. Um, and guys, I highly encourage you to go follow them I'll, in the show notes. You're going to have their website where you can get the six pillars of intimacy uh, quiz, uh, the uh, assessment. Um, mm -hmm. so when you go there, it'll, it'll, it'll pop up and get it. And also remember that I'm getting 10 copies. I'm ordering them today and uh, I'm going to be gifting those out to uh, the listeners. So uh, as a gift for my listeners, but as also just to support you guys and what you've done for us and, and the mentors that you are to us. Um, also, go follow them on their podcast, One Extra Extraordinary Marriage. Also, you have a Facebook uh, page as well, correct? Yes. I've been tagging it, so I know. You'll find us, yeah. Yes. What, go to oneextraordinarymarriage.com. That's the best place. If, if you just want to go see what we're doing, go do that. Anthony will have everything else in the episode notes. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. And I couldn't think of a better way to start the new year than to invest in your most important asset. And that's your, your, your family, your marriage, yeah, because without that, as you guys said, the rest of it just won't, it won't ever be, the, it won't ever be what it could be. So it all starts at home. And I always say, if you can't leap from behind your front door, you have no business leading outside of it. <laughs> wow. I love that. That's really good. I love that. And I'm just speaking from experience because <laughs> trust me, I learned from, from the hard way. <laughs> Most of us have. Yeah. Most of us have. Well, thank any any final thoughts, guys, as we get ready to wrap up. I just, you know, I just want to say, look, if you're here and you've, you know, you've been following Anthony, you've been listening to the show, take one nugget yeah. out of this and take action on it. Right. You don't have to, you don't have to download and process an hour. What is the one thing that landed on you that you can say, I can do something in this area today in my marriage? And then just go do it. You don't need permission. We've we've given you permission. Just go. Yeah. Just go. And if you need anything, please reach out to, to Tony and Alyssa. I mean, they got so many avenues you can reach. Send them a message, reach out to them, yes. utilize their services. Gosh, get the love book. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys so much. I love you. And um, I just appreciate you so much. So thank you guys for coming on. Uh, thanks for having us. Thanks, Anthony.